Welcome to the podcast, the Noel Kassler podcast, episode 12. I'm back here with my main man, Jimmy Kennedy, to break down the week's events. It's Saturday and we're feeling silly. So uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to get into all the fun and games of uh, the disintegration of our democracy before our (laughs) eyes. But until we do, let's check in with Jimmy and see how he's doing today. Uh, I'm doing great, buddy. It's uh, the end of May here in Indianapolis, so everybody's getting excited for the Indy 500. It's a big event that takes place here with the race and all the folks that come in. Lady Gaga was here a few years ago. I mean, it draws a few stars to the Circle City, and uh, you know, it's always a big event here, so we're looking forward to that. That's awesome, man. Indy 500, yeah. Lady Gaga. There you go. Yeah. Able to draw in a few folks. Uh, The one year I went to the Pagoda, you know, the big thing at the racetrack, she was there. And then like half an hour before she got there, you know, I had already ditched. But, you know, when you get to be part of the media, you you see some folks, you know, I'm not as starstruck as I used to be having worked in the NFL and been around all those places. Right on, brother. Well, I've worked with Lady Gaga a bunch and uh, she's a good person. So uh, I, I hope you do get to meet her someday. She would dig you, dude. You know, one of my funniest interactions with Lady Gaga, we were backstage. I think it was the Glamour Women of the Year Awards at Carnegie Hall. And Hillary Clinton was given a speech and then uh, came off stage. And there's a little stage right area. And this probably was like 2014, you know. And Mm -hmm. uh, Lady Gaga goes, I want to know when it's going to be Hillary Clinton for president. Right. And everybody got quiet, you know, and I go 2016, you know, and she goes, what? And I said, Hillary Clinton for president 2016. She goes, that's what I'm talking about. And came over and gave me a big (laughs) high five, you know, that's wonderful, man. She's cool. Yeah. She, I used to, I, you know, I I worked on a lot of things with her. She's very cool. Stephanie is, is how she refers to herself behind the scenes. She, she went to school in my neighborhood too, sacred heart. But anyway, um, let's get into it. Enough Gaga. Let's talk about the real stuff. I think I'll start with the fact that the GOP is continuing to sort of block any sort of meaningful investigation into the events of of 1-6. You know, it was clearly a coordinated attack on our democracy. I was on another show I do earlier in the week, and it sort of occurred to me, and I've played out this point since then, and I've heard others make it. But, you know, I think the end game there was like Trump and these guys, you know, your Mike Flynn's, your Roger Stone's, all these guys that were in Trump's, you know, private suite at his hotel the night before. Right. And Trump was planning this thing for weeks. Right. In December, he was like, come on, get to D.C. Such and such has buses. You know, a Supreme Mm -hmm. Court's wife paid for the buses to come in. Ginny Thomas, you know, it was an organized event and they were all like, it's going to be wild, you know, and they'd had a few events leading up to it with Proud Boys and Mike Flynn speaking and Roger Stone speaking. So they were all ginning up the base, including Republican congressmen, including people like Senator Ted Cruz. The whole like stopping the count and not certifying the election and saying that, you know, Trump might have won and it was being stolen. That was all feeding into this anger that came to fruition that morning. You know, and Trump gave that speech. He gave it an hour late, as he always does. He has to keep people waiting (laughs) 
as a power move. You know, it doesn't matter. The only guy he never kept waiting was Putin. He would show up early for his meetings for Putin because he works for Putin. Right. And he's scared of Putin. But back to back to the, you know, that morning. So, you know, you had this whole event. They sent these hordes up, up the mall to attack the Capitol. They did things like right away, you know, turning the bike racks, which are what you call those barricades. You know, they're called bike racks. It's kind of the nickname for them that the cops use. They turned them Mm -hmm. sideways. They started scaling the wall. You don't do something like that by improvisation. You know what I mean? That's not a like, oh, we just thought of this in the moment. Hey, let's all turn these things at once and start cl- scaling the walls. Like you're practicing for that. You know, they're like, it's like Game of Thrones. You know, they're going beyond the wall. Like White Walkers <laughs> are trying to get in, you know? So like it, they clearly had some, you know, logistics behind this thing. And obviously there was a lot of just dudes who had the day off from Pep Boys, you know, and had their MAGA shirts on and just wanted to kick the mask. But there was some other people in that crowd that like knew what they were doing and were sort of leading it. They had bullhorns, you know, my friend Sandy Bacon was there. She filmed her film is some of the stuff that everybody sees. She's fearless. She's like in her seventies and she shows up at all these anti-fascist, you know, events and then jumps in with the fascists and films them. But anyway, to make a long story short, the point is, I believe they thought that they would attack Pence or Pelosi or some real heinous crime would happen. I think they were hoping a lot of opposition, you know, counter protests would be there. Not that their thing was a protest. It was an attack. But they were hoping they could have a boogeyman like an Antifa or somebody show up there, have violence break out, have the pipe bombs detonate that didn't detonate. And then Trump could say, I'm declaring martial law. This is it. It's gotten too crazy. Our democracy is being attacked. I'm sending in the military. I'm president until further notice. And we'd still be living with him as president today at the end of May. You know, it would have been a military junta because think about it this way. If Trump really thought Antifa was attacking the Capitol, he would have had Green Beret dudes jumping out of helicopters, swarming that building within five seconds. He tear gassed Mm -hmm. college students across from the White House, right? You know, when it was just a bunch of girls protesting police brutality, he sent in dudes with horses, tear gas, billy clubs, you know, so he could go, go to a photo op in his diapers, you know, hold up a Bible upside down in front of a church, right? So he didn't think it was Andy. Mm -hmm. He knew who it was and he was ready to sacrifice those guys. They would have been cannon fodder. They would have been shot down on TV. It would have been crazy stuff Mm. all over the world. It would have instantly put us in a vulnerable position globally, right? So he would have been almost within a commander in chief's right to say, hey, we got to hit the pause button on everything. You know, this has turned into a major national security world issue. Mm. And, you know, it would have been hard to take that back from him had it succeeded, you know, and I think that's what I think that's what the end game was. And that's why the GOP doesn't want any of that coming out, let alone why the panic buttons were removed from certain people's offices. You know, who communicated, who were they texting, who got a tour the day before, as I said before. It was my job to go into the Capitol every day when I was a bike messenger in the late 80s and early 90s, right? I was literally the in-house guy for the Congressional Budget Office, which meant every time a new resolution came out, a lobbying firm down on K Street would want a copy of that bill or resolution. And my job was to go into the dome of the Capitol to the House dock room, which is where it was back then, and say, I need H.R. 1216 or whatever. I'd get the Mm -hmm. document and I'd write it. So I went in there every day. And I delivered things to to other people's offices and I would get lost all the time. 
It's a labyrinth down there. It's designed to be confusing. You don't know where you're going unless you've spent a lot of time in that building. And even if you have, you often get lost. Yet these guys knew exactly where the speaker's office was, which uh, one of the, and they knew like where Whip, I think Clyburn's office was. They knew where offices were that aren't even like, that don't even necessarily have signs on the doors. So they had inside intelligence about where to go and what to disrupt. And they basically just ran out of time and the pipe bombs didn't go off. You know, it became a slow motion riot instead of a like, not that it wasn't crazy, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a military action. The questions that immediately come to mind to me with January 6th, you know, the Secret Service is the personal protection for the president. Where were they during this whole thing? You know, how did they not grab him at that time and say, Mr. President, like there's an insurrection going down, like maybe you should do something. You know, can't they say something like that to him? Well, they're his dudes. You know, any Secret Service that was around Trump at that point were the same dudes that let Chuck Zito slap his back on the floor of the garden and and put something in his pocket. You know what I mean? And then a week later, Trump ends up in Walter Reed because the meth was too good. You know, Mm -hmm. those guys I I said on last week's show, when I worked with the Secret Service, like if you had a prior, you weren't getting anywhere near the building that the president was in. In his administration, the Secret Service was letting dudes who went to prison. Chuck Zito went to prison, was on trial for blowing somebody up, copped a plea for stabbing somebody to death and did time in prison in the 80s, (laughs) then became the head of the Hells Angels. He was the president of the Hells Angels on the East Coast in New York, right? He's a celebrity, Chuck Zito. He's a huge Trump guy, and they go back 30 years. But the Secret Service let that guy slap Trump on the back. I've posted pictures of it on Twitter, you know, Mm -hmm. while he was president. And his sons are standing around looking on the floor of the garden while it was full of a UFC fight, full of fight fans, you know, full of people that consider themselves fighters. You couldn't think of a more tenuous position for a president to be in like i'm i'm surrounded by a bunch of jacked up dudes on steroids you know like in a building and he's on the floor at the bottom of them with no easy out the secret service normally would be like this is the scariest place to ever have a president and they're letting ex-cons slap him on the back so my point is whoever was protecting the president at that point was either banging his daughter or daughter-in-law which they both we now know they did right Mm. Tiffany Trump had an affair with her Secret Service guy. Donald Trump's ex-wife had an affair with her Secret Service guy. So they turned the Secret Service into their valet. You know, they were just their bodyguards. And whoever was close to Trump at that point was in on the thing. So to answer your question, no, they wouldn't care. But you bring a, a valid point up. When I watched that afternoon, I'm like... The chain of command is also in that building. Right. Right? Trump is president, but the speaker is the second in command, right? The 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 oh, I'm rather VP. Oh, the VP, right. the speaker of the house, and the fourth is somebody like the house magistrate. I forget exactly what the pro temperate, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy with the assist got his got his civics down. But anyway, so the top. Yeah other three people. So what if Trump has a heart attack when he's watching this thing on TV? Nobody's in charge of the government. The the next three people in charge are being attacked by a bunch of dudes from GameStop, you know, right now, (laughs) staring shit on the walls of the Capitol. Like, how does that look to the rest of the world? If you wanted to attack the United States, you should have done it that morning. You know, because you wouldn't everybody would have been asleep at the wheel. And I'm joking about that. But it was it showed a vulnerability in this country that is obscene and should be obscene to every member of Congress. And what are they doing about it? They're saying, let's move on. Nothing to see here, folks. 
We're going to keep moving. And by the way, Trump is still king and still the strongest man we've ever seen. And we look forward to him being president again because that's what they're doing. You know, that's what they're doing. They're saying this guy's our king and he's our king for life. And we're not going to look at anything he did because he's the greatest and we want him back. Well, and what blows my mind is, you know, they lost the, the GOP and all these conservative sycophants of Trump lost their mind when folks wanted to take down Confederate statues. Right. Because we don't want to glorify something like that, especially with what's going on today. But now you have these MAGA folks who come into the Capitol, spread crap on, literally crap onto the walls, you know, remove the podium from the floor. You have that guy, you know, waving to the camera. Right, Cato Kalin's walking out with the podium. Like, that's part of your history now, too. You know, like, you guys are a disgrace. You are the deplorables that Hillary called you in 2016. You are living up to that expectation. Exactly. They, they let democracy become molested. You know, they let democracy and the process of a smooth transition of power get diddled by the president of the United States. And they're allowing him to do that. You know, and that's a harsh metaphor because the guy happens to be a pedophile. And it was no secret in New York that he liked 13 year old girls and younger, you know, that he brought his daughter as his date to modeling agency, you know, events when she was 10 and still keeps a picture of it behind his desk in the Oval (laughs) Office and his fake Oval Office. It's his favorite picture ever. The night he brought her to look model of the year and got her a modeling contract with John Casablancas, a known predator pedophile, you know, so. It's it's insane. And Kevin McCarthy, to your point, had 17, 77. How many hearings were there on Benghazi? They went on for years and spent millions and millions and millions of dollars of taxpayers money investigating something where there was nothing there. You know, people got killed. It was a horrible event. It wasn't some grand conspiracy that Hillary Clinton had, you know, but they they would never let it die because it was ammunition for their side and it ginned up the base. It was a perfect talking point for Trey Gowdy to go on Sean Hannity and talk (laughs) about, you know, and now you got Ted Cruz putting Nazi boy porn out on Twitter, talking about how studly the Russian military is, you know, and we're just a bunch of cucks and trannies or something, you know, and I'm not using that tranny. Like I love transvestites and anybody who's got the power to like live their own truth. I want them in front of me on the battlefield. You know, they want to exclude these people from the battlefield. I want to serve under them, you know, <laughs> like make that person the general. You had the power to and pride and bravery to live your truth in this country, which is still way too homophobic. And you want to join the service? Hell yeah. You know, I'm following you out of the jungle. You know, you're my leader. You know, that's bravery. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that also blows my mind, you know, with the with the six, I thought about because I was only about 10 years old when this happened. But I remember when the United States invaded Iraq, you know, they found Saddam Hussein's statue and they pulled it down. Right. That whole big thing of them taking over the country in about two weeks. The same images that were in Baghdad that day were what I saw in Washington, D.C. It looked like a foreign country had invaded us, but it was our own people. Exactly. They had a gallows. They had time to construct a a gallows on the steps of the Capitol that they were going to hang the vice president in. They had a noose. You know, they had a wooden structure built. Who built the gallows? Whose big old Ford F-150 got that gallows to the mall and security didn't notice? Oh, you're carrying a gallows? You have a Black Lives Matter protest. You're not even allowed to bring 
placards with a wooden post at the bottom of it. But these guys are allowed to bring a gallows to the steps of, of the Capitol. And we don't even want an investigation as to who dropped the ball and allowed that to happen. You're right. absolutely right. It's it's sorry to cut you off. I'll let you go in a second. But that's the <laughs> most dangerous. Nothing could have weakened our standing in the world. Oh. The world was already like you guys are a bunch of idiots. You let a freaking moron, 74 year old drug addict in diapers lie to you for three years. In the fourth year, he lied to you about a deadly pandemic and 600,000 of you guys died. And now you're letting him attack the Capitol with his goons. You know, with his knuckle dragging idiot followers and you're not even doing anything about it. So any standing we had in the world before January 6th, which was slippery, they were practically done with us after that day. Like nobody respects us. People laugh at us on Twitter and stuff. You know, they're like, you guys are a joke. And, you know, we deserve it. And they we, should. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, I was going to say, man, the VP's own brother voted against the probe. He has a brother in Congress. Even his own brother doesn't want to find out what happened. Because I, I know. Because one, he's probably terrified of what he'll find out. That, that's oh, what I think. Dude, they know what happened. They know what happened. Yeah, Everybody right. knows what happened. Everybody knows Matt Getz was sleeping with teenage girls because half of the other guys were too. Mm -hmm. Trump was doing the same thing in D.C. He did in business in New York. He was having parties at Trump Hotel. He was inviting these like duplicitous, like venal congressmen up there and saying, hey, you like Asian girls? You like blondes? What do you like? Because that's what he did in business in New York. He would set guys up, then he would film them, and he would threaten to show the tape to their wife or the authorities until they did what he wanted, gave him a building permit or something. That was his MO forever. It's easier in D.C. You know, your average New York real estate guy or something is a bit smarter and slicker than, you know, Yahoo from Alabama, who thinks Trump's a real billionaire with a supermodel wife and gets invited to have a steak dinner and some jumbo shrimp with him at Trump Hotel. And then Trump's like, you've been good to me. Why don't you go upstairs and say hi to my friend? You know, and these guys go for it and they've been doing it forever. And that's why Matt Gates was showing those, you know, when the scandal broke, I talked about this in the car rant. It came out that he was walking around the floor of Congress and he was showing pictures to his buddies or to fellow congressmen and aides and stuff and saying like, hey, look what I got last night. Look at her. You know, I, I hooked up mm -hmm. with this one. Right. He wasn't doing that to brag. He was looking for the guys whose eyes got wide and said, I want some of that. You know, and then he'd be like, oh, I'll tell you how it happens, you know, and some people would be like, you should be in jail, dude. You know, a real man would be like, I'm going to punch you in the face if you ever show me something like that again. You know, you're lucky I don't kick your ass right now. But a lot of those guys would be like, yeah, I'm down with that, bro. That's what they were doing. So they all knew what Trump was up to. They knew what Trump was up to before January 6th because they were going along with the big lie that he wasn't elected. He wasn't, you know, that he was elected and it wasn't a fair election. Everyone knew it was a fair election, right? He lost by 4 million votes. It's staggering that he got 70 million votes after <laughs> what he did. You know, I mean, it's mind blowing that enough people were like, yeah, I'll take some more of that. That was really good, you know? He gave our bases back to Russia. He let a deadly pandemic spread to the point that our entire country shut down for the first time in history. Nobody could go to work for a year, but he still went golfing and had rallies. You know, he continued to grift money from the Secret Service and let his kids fill their pockets with our coffers and let his daughter, you know, travel the world and pretend like she was a diplomat, you know, on his behalf. Yeah, I'll mm -hmm. take some more of that. But 70 million people said, I'll take some. But it wasn't enough. And he was shocked at that. 
you know, because he's like, wait, we're cheating. You know, we manipulated the machines. I got the Russian propaganda. I got the boneheads on Facebook. People come to my rallies and, and they dance with me when I'm dancing to the YMCA. How could I not be president? You know, just flossing up there as we've as we've discussed before. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's just and it's also we have to blame ourselves to some degree, guys. Like you can't let. Russian propaganda, you know, these targeted things affect you. Like the ability to verify information that's been vetted needs to be something that's taught and it needs to be re-educated amongst our people so that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And our people need to get real about how this place really works. You know, like, you know, hopefully there's some really thorough investigations. You know, I said this morning, like it's been six months since January 6th, pretty much, you know, in a couple of weeks yeah. we're coming up on the anniversary. We don't know who took the buttons out of someone's office. You know, you haven't been able to find like the guys who, who had the pipe bombs. You know, you don't know who was communicating with these people. You're like, uh, they'd know that on CSI, you know, on these shows I watched, they would have known by now. You know what I mean? Bosch would have found out who was talking to these guys, you know? And, you know, and part of it is we're probably like inert in this culture that it like all gets solved real quick. And I know a lot of people are like, hey, slow down. It's coming. Justice is coming. But I'll say one thing. Time is not your friend in these issues. You know, giving Trump more time is not your friend. That's what I was saying during the Mueller investigation. Everyone's like, slow down. It's Mueller time. You know, indictments are coming. Nothing happened to him. He took forever. Barr finally shut it down, then lied about the report, you know, and his memo is apparently going to be released on Monday or something, which will be great. But, you know, you gave them too much time and they got away with it. You know, that's what happens. So I think people have a little bit of a Pollyannish view about, you know, how justice is always going to prevail and everybody has the, you know, the right, their best interest at heart. Mueller was great for podcasters, you know, <laughs> like he found some stuff in the report. And if you read it, there was a lot of stuff to talk about on your podcast for a whole year, you know, but it didn't do anything to Donald Trump. It wasn't the weapon you needed at that time. You know, and my philosophy was always Jeff Session knew that from the beginning, right? It was Sessions that appointed Mueller, you know, and then Sessions got fired. I think Sessions knew Mueller would never really hurt Trump. He'd go after a couple things, but it would never affect him being a president, right? And, and Trump was just too stupid to see that and too scared. So he fired Sessions. But I think Sessions knew he had his dude right away in Mueller, you know, and then Mueller did what he did. Barr became AG by then. And Barr was like, hey, you're done. Wrap it up, buddy. And then he gives his little speech that Sunday and says it found no collusion. But the rest of y'all can't see for another six weeks. So you gave time, right? You had time for that disinformation to circulate and for them to continue emboldening their base and, 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 you know, entrenching themselves in the firmament of power. And that's what's happening now. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to get the big fish. Just give them time. What do you mean time? It's six months. These guys are. (laughs) You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene had a rally last night. She's selling out in Phoenix, you know, telling everybody that, like, you know, Biden is 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 a terrorist and AOC is a terrorist because they're not standing with Israel. It's insane. And you got to stop this thing. It's like if a house is on fire, you don't the fire department doesn't show up and say, first, we're going to walk around the perimeter and do a <laughs> mock-up of what this is. And then we want to find out exactly what temperature that flame is, how it started. You know, if we really have the right to attack the, you know, 
that part of the house because it may be under mortgage to a bank and it may not <laughs> actually be the property of the homeowner. You know, all this. No, you go in and you throw some water on the freaking thing because because you're not dealing with normal times. These are thieves. These guys are being, you know, these guys are being engineered by outside forces that do not have democracy's best interest at heart. Whether you want that to be the Koch brothers or Putin, you know, or even just greedy, money grubbing, southern evangelical, homophobic assholes that want to continue to like grift money off of their rube followers and use things like guns and abortion to give themselves power. Pick your poison. All of those things do not have our best interests at heart. And all of those things have in one way or another controlled the narrative of our country for the last four years. One of the biggest concerns that I have for the country, I mean, when you look at this pandemic, right, there was a concentrated effort, for everyone from our military to the facilities that folks use. I mean, my mom got vaccinated at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We were talking about the Indy 500. Roger Pinsky, who owns that complex and controls the league uh, of racing doesn't take those phone calls without some kind of cooperation and understanding that he'll get his money on the back end. My point is you need to have these investigations have that concentrated effort of let's get our country right. You know, we're trying to get everybody vaccinated to cure this pandemic. The second pandemic that we have to address is the disinformation that's just penetrating school boards, you know, local communities and permanently kind of shifting the ideology of America, which is a, a false narrative. And that's my point, Jimmy. In the time that you're letting these people still yeah. in Congress, be in Congress, yeah. they're going back to their home districts. They're getting the state legislators to rewrite voting laws, you know, to, to purge blacks from the voter you know, roles for making it harder for them to vote. They're doing everything to make sure what mm -hmm. happened in this last election never happens again meaning democracy, representative democracy does not happen again. And the power shifts back to gerrymandered districts and these white men bent on controlling the narrative. And you're giving them time to gin up that base. Like Trump could win re-election. You know, he could become president again. He could get the same amount of votes he got last time and become president again based solely on what they're doing in Arizona and Georgia. If these things work and we'll know in the next election cycle next year, right, November 2022, we'll know if this works. And Trump will know, too. He's watching, you know, and he could go in there again. You can't give them time. You have to really address what has happened. It's not about playing nice. You got to end the filibuster. You know, you got to say, we need answers. You know, we're, we, we, you got to demand people like Matt Getz that are clearly, you know, on the eve of indictments, aren't going out and giving rallies, talking about how he's just a sacrificial lamb because he represents America first. You're letting these guys that are espousing fascism run untethered around this country. And Fox News is pumping this poison 24-7. And Fox News is a hell of a lot more influential than whatever statement Chuck Schumer puts out, you know, about how we're going to take our time on this. You know, if, if you said you couldn't have a commission into 9-11, people would have gone bonkers, you know, yeah. but. In this case, we're like, yeah, well, maybe it's time to move on. They're not moving on. They're fundraising over the big lie, you know, and Trump will continue to fundraise over all of this stuff. Everyone thinks, you know, we got, you know, news this week that the New York uh, attorney general is moving it to a criminal case against Trump. That's awesome. I'm psyched about that. Right. But listen, <laughs> Trump has been in 4000 cases before he was 
POTUS. Okay, he had been in 4000 lawsuits before he was president of the United States. The courtroom is Trump's happy place. Trust me, he is not that afraid of a lawsuit. Not that he's not nervous, you know, or criminal things. He's not going to end up in jail. And he knows it. And everybody who's like, Trump's going to be in handcuffs is kidding themselves. He's 75 years old. The dude, as I said before, is not going to be taken alive to go serve out a sentence in some federal penitentiary. And he's rich enough that he's going to tie it up in court for years to come. Everyone thinks he's going to do a perp walk soon. They're not even going to bring charges until the fall. And everyone's like, Weisselberg's going to flip. I disagree. The guy's a mob lawyer right? He's not going to flip on Trump. He knows his family's in more danger if he flips than if he just takes the rap and ties it up in courts himself. He's an old man himself. These are wealthy white men. It's not the same rules. You know, it's not Khalif Browder who gets thrown in jail for three years for, you know, stealing a backpack because he can't pay $600 bond. These are wealthy men that can hire the best lawyers in the country and they can drag this out forever. Okay. And as I said, my theme here is time. Time is not your friend. You know, you got Rudy Giuliani's son is running for governor now. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to get a Trump throwing their hat in the ring. You know, the one who was sleeping with the Secret Service guy, you know, Lara. Oh, no, she's another one. Lara Trump, right? Eric Trump's wife is going to run, they say, in, in, you know, North Carolina or South Carolina or something. You know, they're going to they're waiting for their moment. They're going to start banging the cowbells again, so to speak. The rallies are going to start back up. Trump's going to start hitting the road. You know, you got MGT and, and, and you know, Matt Gates and all these guys already doing tours, promoting these falsehoods. And look what it got us last time. You know, when everybody else was shut down last summer, Trump was going on the roads and having rallies, some of which killed Herman Cain. You know, mm -hmm. Herman Cain died by going to a Trump rally. Trump didn't care. You know, he doesn't care about any of these people. He cares about himself and staying out of trouble. And he knows the best way to do that is to lie first, have a louder lie, you know, a brasher lie and lie more often. And, and you're going to let him do that. And you got to stop him. You got to, there has to be a stronger strategy here. Well, and one question that I'd love to hear your take on, he was able to avoid criminality because when you're president of the United States, you can't be indicted for a crime. And he's obviously made money from grifting post-presidency but do you do you think he regrets running for president of the united states because of all of the light it's shining on his crimes that he's committed and that this is coming to light no, no? he doesn't care a normal person would a normal person who had done what he had done you know who had been a criminal pretty much in the public eye his entire life and gotten away with it would be like i want nothing to do with becoming president Right. And he didn't really want to run for president for any policy kind of thing. It was just a scam. He wanted to start his own network. And he was like, this is great. I get free advertising like I'm the king of Fox News now. I get to say little Marco Rubio and I'm on the front page of every paper the other, you know, the next day. And the networks ate it up. Jeff Zucker is his old buddy. Jeff Zucker was the boss of, of NBC Entertainment when I worked for Trump on The Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice. Jeff Zuck was the head of all of NBC Universal, like anything that went on TV is entertainment. Jeff Zucker approved. Right. And he mm -hmm. loved Trump. He you know, you don't think Jeff knew about what Trump was doing, like grabbing chicks asses and snorting Adderall and stuff. Dude, a PA doesn't smoke a joint on set without like people hearing about it. You know, <laughs> like he knew who Trump was, you know, Trump had been doing that stuff on the beauty pageants, as I said. You know, one of the worst things I ever heard about Donald Trump, I heard from a television director and it happened way before any of this. So people knew who Trump was and they knew there was a buck to make out of it. 
You know, they saw how much money Rupert Murdoch made off of that demographic that I've spoken of before. You know, a lot of the same folks that are going to go to the Indianapolis 500 next weekend or whatever are the same kind of folks that watch Fox News, that watch football. And a lot of them are good people, but a lot of them are not the most politically sophisticated folks. And they've been told that liberalism is bad, that multiculturalism is bad. You know, big, loud things with flags on them are good. Right. And that was Trump's product. You know, I'm an American. I'm playing that song you love by Lee Greenwood. You know, like I like titties, as I said before, you know, he appealed to the kid rock aesthetic of America. Right. And Zucker saw that. He said, this is great on CNN. It's August, you know, of 2015 and everyone's watching TV. Normally, nobody would watch TV that time of year, right? It would be Love Island Part 2, you know? It's when network <laughs> or, you know, they put on shows that have no hope of ever finding an audience the rest of the year that they already paid for. And they're just like, well, put it on now. Nobody's watching. All of a sudden, everybody started watching. And the media realized there's a lot of money in that. You know, that the whole thing was like a bit of a scam. And it still is. You know, there's a lot of money made on outrage, and part of, um, you know, like some of the images were deceptive. I remember that uh, town hall debate that Trump had, or it was it was something where he was sitting in a chair uncomfortably. It was one of those tall chairs. And in the back, it was framed where you had a, a woman of color nodding to everything he was saying. Oh, yeah. These networks are strategically placing people to cause folks at home to go, oh, yeah, maybe I agree with Trump on what he's saying. Like, it's all meticulous if you really look at it. You know, everything is placed strategically with, with Trump. That's an excellent point. It's stagecraft. And she was a paid person. She was in that right. debate that Savannah Guthrie hosted down in mm-hmm. Miami, I think. And it turned out she was paid. She had been seen in other things holding up Trump placards and stuff. You know, it's like blacks for Trump, like the guys he would pay to be behind him at the rally and stuff. You know, and it was like the same guy at every rally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was just paying, you know, but it works. It, it, you know, that's what we need to realize is how effective Trump was. I had this tweet yesterday. It's like, yeah, everybody likes to talk. No, he's an idiot. He's no kind of mastermind or whatever. Look, he got away with making the GOP his bitch, for lack of a better term, right? (laughs) Never showing his income taxes, never showing his medical records, right? Mm -hmm. Never doing any kind of work, right? As president, as soon as he got office, I need executive time. I'm not even going in the Oval Office till 12 and put a lock on my door. I need to tweet, right? (laughs) So he broke every norm and got away with it to the point that his mismanagement and inability to admit there was a pandemic because Jared told him it would hurt his poll numbers, you know? So he (laughs) pretended that it didn't exist until he couldn't pretend anymore, right? And then he told people to drink bleach, you know, and hydrochloroquine and not wear masks, right? And the result of that is 600,000 Americans perished untimely. You know, there, there was a study that like he was the largest disseminator of disinformation during the COVID pandemic. And had he not been, you could have made a case that 400,000 people would not have died, right? Some mm-hmm. people were going to die, right? But not the, the amounts that we had, which led the world, you know, we mismanaged it on a, on a Herculean scale. That was all him. And he got away with it. As somebody who, who did what Trump did during the pandemic alone should be living their life in ignominy, 
you should never hear from them again. They should mm. be shamed with an anonymous mailbox living up a dirt road somewhere in the mountains. <laughs> you know, like it, they should disappear. And instead, he's fundraising. You know, he's out there in our consciousness still every day. And the entire GOP is still doing his bidding to the point that they won't let you investigate the riot that he started, the attack that he waged, not only on the Capitol, but as we said, on the next three people in charge beneath him. You know, he put them in danger and the GOP is still covering for him. So you might think that person is stupid. And he's iconically stupid. He's one of the dumbest men I've ever met. But you can be stupid and still be a ruthless mob boss. You know, like John Gotti wasn't a smart guy. If you ever listen to like, if you ever watch a real mob thing, you know, where they have real tapes of what these mobsters, they're goombas, they're idiots. They're not even all like Tony Soprano, you know, who was kind of smart. You know, he was Jersey, but he was like kind of Shakespearean and stuff. They're not like that in real life. They're idiots. They're like, hey, Morty, you get a calzone? You know what I mean? Oh, we got to whack this guy. Come on, let's go. Stop eating the cannolis. We're going to go whack this guy. Literally, you listen to the real tapes and that's what they're like. You know, they're guys from Queens and Brooklyn. That's what Trump is. He's a guy with simple tastes from Queens who has an instinct to find the marks in the crowd, to find the people that he can corrupt. And once you accept a single favor from him, he owns you for life. And that's what the GOP found out. And that's what we're living in now. And that's what we have to stop. Well, and one thing that I'm worried about, you know, Alan Weisselberg is the guy that knows everything, right? And <laughs> I'm asking this question because we've talked about Trump's like mob connection before. Do you think any of these important players with the Trump org are going to end up with their face down in soup? You know, like they're going to get a deal that they can't refuse. <laughs> Who knows, man, with what they know. Right. I'm, like, I'm a t- yeah, uh, I'm going to you want to you done. Yeah. I'm done. You, all right. I'm going to tell you a little story, Jimmy. OK. In 1989, Trump was under investigation for the Taj Mahal, one of his casinos in Atlantic City. It was a money money laundering operation. You know, that's the casino that his father walked into, bought three million dollars worth of chips and then walked out the door without playing right. a single slot. So Trump could make his debt payment that night, you know, by midnight or something. You know, it was a money laundering op. There was an investigation into that. Trump had three executives that were sort of cooperating said to be cooperating with the feds. You know, they were being questioned in this money laundering thing. Trump calls them to a meeting in New York, right? Manhattan. When they're coming back, they're in a jet. I mean, not a jet, a, a helicopter, right? Normally, Trump has a fleet of helicopters. If you ever saw The Apprentice, it's like Trump, his name is on the side of the helicopter, right? The guy owns his own helicopters, okay? You know? <laughs> So but this particular day in this particular meeting, he tells the executives, I got a rental helicopter for you. Get on that helicopter. (laughs) Right. The guys get on the helicopter. It crashes in the Pine Barrens 20 minutes outside of Atlantic City. Everybody dies. The two pilots and the three executives. So does the investigation. Right. It dies with them. Trump makes up this BS story. I was supposed to be on that helicopter. This is the most horrible thing. You know, really, you were going to be on a helicopter that didn't have your name on the side of it, even though you owned some with your name on them. Mm. Right. You don't go. You don't sit on a toilet that doesn't have your name on the side. (laughs) You know, why weren't you going to be on your helicopter that has your name on? You were going to be on this rental helicopter, too. No, you weren't. So anyway, the thing crashes. Right. The later investigation from the NTSB is that there was a hairline fracture in the rotor that happened at the factory, even though that had never happened before at the factory. 
right? There was no other instances of other rotors coming out of this factory with hairline factors in them. Mm. The case was closed. Trump's money laundering investigation went away and capiche, it's all over. Okay. That was 31 years ago, right? Uh -huh. 32 years ago. So the Trump's no stranger to this. He built Trump Tower with the Gambino crime family, right? His dad was a money launderer for the Genovese crime family in Queens. That's what they did. They built buildings around Queens as a way for the Italian mob, the five families to launder money in and out of their organization and legitimize it. They were a front for the mob. And then Trump is this brash, young, coke-sniffing dude who wants to hang out at Studio 54, you know, who was basically just working for his dad. He was riding around in his dad's limo, getting publicists at the New York Times to write pieces on him and pretending like he was this big, earth-shaking developer because real estate became the big, sexy thing to be in New York at that time. It was real estate or Wall Street. That's who the famous rich guys were, were becoming, right? So Trump wanted to be one of those guys. In reality, he was the idiot son of his father, you know, who went around making sure black people weren't allowed to rent apartments in his buildings, you know, but he had higher aspirations for himself. So he came up with this project, you know, to build Trump Tower, to tear down Bonwit Teller, which was a famous department store on Fifth Avenue. And he was going to put up this big, huge, ugly tower with his name on the side of it. And his dad said, hey, that's not our territory. Like we don't build in Manhattan. We're Genovese. That's Gambino territory right? That's mm -hmm. Paul Castellano and fat Tony Salerno and all these guys. And Trump was like, I'm doing it anyway, right? I could get into the details of what happened. He started to build this building. There was a teamster strike, right? So he couldn't get any concrete delivered. So he brought in fat Tony Salerno, who cut a deal with the head of the teamsters, who may or may not have been associated with a mob. That's sarcasm, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. The head of the teamsters is like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give me a penthouse in that building when it's mm. built and you're going to give it, you're going to put it in my mistress's name. Mm. Right. And Trump said, fine, no problem. They gave her a suite of penthouses. So it was several apartments in this one like penthouse at the top of the building, even though she had no visible means of income. Right. She was a mob mole. She was sleeping with a, the head of the Teamsters, you know, but Trump just gave her a penthouse. Right. <laughs> like Trump doesn't give his kids a bag of M&Ms for free, but he's given some dude's girlfriend <laughs> a penthouse and his dream tower, right? Gives her the penthouse. The concrete starts flowing the next day, even though there's a teamster strike in the rest of Manhattan and nobody else can build a thing. All of a sudden, Trump gets to keep building. When the condo gets built, the mistress takes notice, you know, takes possession of it and she's living there. And a couple of days later, she gets a knock on a door and it's Trump's guys. Right. And they say, hey, we're here to put in the wiring. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, this is the early 80s. We're here to put in the phone system so you can have a telephone. And she's like, wait, hold on a second. You know, she calls up, you know, her boyfriend, the Teamsters guy, who's the mob guy. was like, hey, Trump's guys are here and they said they're going to put in the phone lines for the apartment. And the guy's like, don't let them in. Are you kidding me? Don't let them in. And they <laughs> yeah. called Ma Bell. They called AT&T. Trump was trying to get compromised. He thought the chick was going to fall for letting his guys put phones in so then he could start eavesdropping on the mob, you know. <laughs> That's who he is and that's who he's always been. I was in a meeting with uh, a luncheon with James Zirin, who wrote a book about the 4,000 lawsuits Trump has been in. And at the next table was Ray Kelly, who was the New York City police commissioner. And they got to a point where they started talking about 
Trump and having mobsters in his office and how he wouldn't have any like listening devices because mobsters didn't like to be bugged. Right. And, and Ray Kelly just sort of laughed and he gave this knowing laugh was like, yep, that's Trump. <laughs> you know, he was <laughs> with the mob. So do I think these people know that? First of all, a lot of this investigation with Weisselberg concerns itself with Trump's rink, which was a big deal he made with New York City, where he took over the Wellman rink and made it Trump rink and stuff. And it's also where he preyed on the young girls who were going there to take figure skating classes, one of which I knew who first met Trump when she was nine and she called him her dirty uncle because he took an interest. She was beautiful, beautiful woman, beautiful girl. Trump like really got fascinated with her and was sort of inappropriate from the get go with her mm. and knew her into adulthood and stuff and uh she could tell you horror stories on trump but they're her stories you know but um so but anyway so that thing was not just another place for him to get around young girls which also were his beauty pageants and his tower you know the atrium of that same tower i just told you about has a starbucks and public bathrooms and trump <laughs> work the lobby hit on all the high school girls that go there for like on field trips you know mm to use the bathroom because why would Trump put a public bathroom in his building? The guy's not a generous dude and he's supposedly a German, <laughs> but anybody can walk in off the street and use your bathroom. No, it's a, it's a lure. He wants, to, you know, he wants all the field trips to know in Jersey, like you can stop into Trump tower, you know, on our trip into the museum today. So that's who he is. And that was known. Teachers have written me like, yep, that happened. He, he hit on a couple girls in my class and stuff. He would just walk around the Asprey, which is a fancy store in that building, and just walk up to chicks and hit on them because he never works. He's like in predator mode all the time. But that being said, let me get back to the rink. The rink was a cash business, right? This is Woolman Rink. It was a mm -hmm. cash business, which means it was a money laundering operation, right? And Weisselberg knows that. So he has a choice. He's going to take the rap or he's going to turn on the guy. But Trump wasn't just laundering his own money. You got to think about whose money was it that Trump was laundering, you know? And that's who you really have to fear. It's not that Weisselberg has to fear Trump. He has to fear who Trump was working for. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, you bring it up predator ways at the at the rink and in his own lobby that sounds like epstein the kind of things that he would do and and you've said that trump was the guy who taught epstein his whole thing and what he was ultimately in trouble for and at the presidential podium as the pre as the president of the united states you know he wished joy maxwell well you know that was telling uh, in in real time to hear so. Yeah, which exactly, which is like he also <laughs> wished the guys who attacked the Capitol well. He said, I love you. We love you. Go home now. You know, when they finally forced him into making a speech, hey, we love you. You're great people. Go home now. Have a hungry man dinner. You know, watch this on Fox News. It's going to be great. You did a great job today. Go back to Dundalk and tell your wife what a hero you were. You know, it, it's insane. It's so obvious who he is, who he always was, who the GOP are. You know, there's a guy who's running against Liz Cheney. It just came out yesterday. He got a 14-year-old pregnant. Mm. You know what I mean? And the guy's yeah. like, I can run and legitimately win in the modern GOP. If you had a skeleton like that in your closet, like to your earlier point, you know, Trump running for president would be like, I'm going to fly to LA right now. And I know there's a pound of cocaine in my suitcase, <laughs> right? But I'm going to check my bag, you know, and take my chances that they don't look in it. Like it's insane, you know, get in a car and drive, <laughs> you know, not that I'm telling you how to smuggle drugs. I'm just saying like, it's, uh, 
watch watch midnight express no i'm, I'm joking exactly. not not a good way to go about it but yeah man i mean it's just and you know somebody asked you this earlier a couple weeks back one of the interviews that you did trump's like the antithesis of everything that we should aspire to as an american you know like he's fat he's ugly he's mean <laughs> like he's not nothing is heroic about the guy you know at least ronald reagan had like a heroic image you know in pictures or something you know like you can't even make him look heroic in pictures i know i you know that's the hardest thing for me to accept you know and i know the guy he's been in in the public life where i've lived since the 80s and i as everyone knows i have my own experiences with him but like what i always want to tell people is like look at him if that guy sat down next to you at the food court you know, at the next table, you would pick up your Aunt Annie's pretzel and you would move to the farthest point away from him instantly. If he was sitting on a bench outside your kid's playground, you would be calling the cops and saying, hey, there's an old man here. He's painted orange. He has what looks like a dead ferret on his head. He's wearing a cheap suit. He's man spreading. You know, his gut is hanging out. I think he's wearing shoe lifts. It looks like a girdle. You know, James Comey, you remember when they had that meeting in the Oval Office? He was like as far back from Trump as he could be in that room. He was like behind the curtains. He was so yeah. far away from because he didn't want to be photographed next to him. You know, he didn't want to get sucked into that. He gives you the creeps. You know, if you have a creep radar, Trump sets it off. I mean, you're, he's a joke. He, he is a joke, which is why he became the perfect beast for what they were looking to do. You know, the Russians study Americans, you know, the QAnon stuff is all manufactured Russian psyops, you know, that they put onto Facebook because they know, hey, these people are going to fall for this. Many of them have been victims of pedophilia and incest and stuff. So they're going to fall for this kind of stuff that Trump is a warrior and he's representing QAnon and they're going to root out the deep state state that's running a pedophilia ring like crazy stuff but they know how to push psychological buttons and trump knows how to push psychological buttons he knows he looks like a freak deep down but he knows if you're talking about his hair you're not talking about his money laundering right and that's what happened for 40 years in new york it's like huh let's have him on letterman and make fun of his hair you know he was a celebrity <laughs> If you looked at what he'd done, if anybody had taken the time to just look at his business record, he wouldn't have been invited to host SNL, right? But he was. Lauren Michaels is like, get him on. You know, Jeff Zucker is like, get him on. He's running for president. That should have been a joke. And they should have said, we're not going to give an idiot like that a platform. You know, he took out an ad to have the Central Park Five hung. You know, he's a known racist. He's been sued by the Justice Department for, you know, racism, you know, for not renting to black families. But he got to host SNL. He got to be a regular on David Letterman. You know, he was a guy who was creepy AF. There's pictures of him with his daughter giving him a lap dance. I saw his daughter give him a lap dance like he is not well, but he's wealthy. He's white. And his name is on the side of the building. And people want to believe in billionaires. They want to believe that somebody rich can also be bad, you know, because they want to be rich, too. And even if he is a little bad, well, isn't that the benefit of being rich? Isn't that why I want to be rich so I don't have to play by the rules? I can do what I want and feed all my desires. That's what Trump represented, carnality. Right. His his apartments were gold. You know, his wives never got past a certain age and he'd trade them in and get another one with fake titties, you know, who looked even better than the last. It was all image. 
you want this, don't you? This is delicious. I have the best steaks. I have the best looking daughters. I have the best whatever water, you know? It was like they say, you know, it was like a poor guy's idea of what a rich guy looks like. You know, it was just like if you went from a trailer park to like, this is what's going to happen when I make a lot of money. And I'm not dissing somebody who's living in a trailer park. Like, there's no shame in that. You know, that was nicer than some of the places I lived, you know, when I was a kid at times. But like, my point is, there was, he wasn't selling sophistication. You know, he was selling like gluttony. You know, he was selling a dream. It's the same way people go into a casino and think they're going to walk out of there a millionaire. You know, it's it's an illusion. You got a lot of bells and whistles and bright lights and you can forget about your life for five minutes. That's kind of what Trump gave these people. You can forget about the real world problems. I'm in charge now. I got your back. And in reality, he bankrupted the country. He let a, you know, a, a deadly pandemic spread. He, you know, we just did what he, you know, we just said what he did. You know, it was the worst thing we could have done to this country and it's far from over. Well, and one thing that I think about all the time, you know, I, I was never really into all the Marvel movies. It seemed like every two weeks there was a new Marvel movie coming out with a new superhero. And it felt like, you know, society was trying to create a superhero to rise up and bring down these folks. But when you look at... Trump, Giuliani, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all these guys are like Batman villains, <laughs> you know, like they, they seem like guys that you would defeat in a comic book. And it, it might take that kind of an effort to, to eventually get them to go away. I don't know. Well, that's well, that's well said. And we'll get into that next time. We're, we're about to wrap up the show here. But you're right. We part of the reason Trump had appeal is we have like an over like infantilized, lazized, however you say the word, like population. We have grown men that collect comic books, you know, and there's always going to be some guys that do that. But our most popular forms of entertainment are comic books. You know, I have 50 year olds like the new X-Men's coming out. What? Like you're a grown ass man. The last Star Wars I saw was in the movie theater. It was Empire. It was the third one. Empire Strikes Back or whatever, you know, in 1982 or whatever, when I was a kid. And I get why people still watch that stuff, but it's all popular entertainment. Like I said last week, you know, you got 40 year olds who'll dress up like Spider-Man and go to Comic-Con and feel no shame in it, but won't put on a mask and walk into CVS. You know, <laughs> it's like and that's the part of the culture that got, you know, Reagan gutted the arts, you know, and arts education. So we didn't you got to get taught to appreciate a symphony or a ballet or, you know, kind of more subtle going to see a play. All that stuff is boring. I want to see something get blown up. You know, and then I want a good guy who's totally ripped, got a six pack abs, just like I'm going to have someday. I'm going to go see him fuck that some bitch up. Right. Oh, he's got a he's Thor. You know, he's got superpowers like it's you know, you got to grow out of that adolescence, you know, but they keep feeding it to you because there's a lot of money in keeping people stupid. You keep them in the dark eating popcorn all afternoon. You know, not that there's. Yeah, not that that's all bad, but I'm saying it's it is our culture at this point. Like, I can't even keep up with how many Marvel movies. I don't even know what a Marvel movie is like. I haven't seen any of that stuff. And I feel left out of culture half the time, let alone video games, you know, like video games. You're a grown ass man. Like, I see why that's <laughs> kind of popular, you know, but you're not a gamer. Like you're playing with a toy. It's called a PlayStation, dude. It's a PlayStation, you know, <laughs> like play an instrument. You don't have to play a little box, you know, but uh, and that's just a rant. I know I'm going to get hate mail for that. But, you know, I want to address the point you made because, you know, 
we're dumbed down as a nation. And that's what allowed a really dumb guy to have such a sway over so many people because they couldn't see through it. He, he checked off the boxes and he talked like a superhero, you know, and he played dumb music at our rallies and we all got, you know, pumped up. And then I got back in my pickup truck with my Punisher sticker on it. And I felt like I had some goddamn power for once in this life. Right. That's what he was selling them. He was selling them a feeling and experience. That's the same thing Hollywood is selling you when you go sit in a movie theater and watch a superhero in a cape and tights blow up the bad guys for two hours. Right. But that's not the real world. Your real world heroes are teachers. You know, mm -hmm. they're people on the front line working for equality. They're nurses. They're single moms. You know, they're people that are transitioning in their sexuality because they have the courage to be who they know they were meant to be and aren't going to let anybody else tell them how to live their lives. Those are your heroes. Harvey Milk is your hero politician, right? Mm -hmm. Not Donald Trump. You know, and we need to look at who we are as a culture and look at what we value. Jeff Bezos is not a hero. Elon Musk is a car cartoon character come to life, you know, and he's got all these other dudes thinking they're going to get rich on Dogecoin. You are not, son. <laughs> you are not going to get rich on that. <laughs> you know, he's going to get richer. You're going to stay in mom's basement in Parsippany until you're 40 years old. OK, wise up. And you need the Xbox money to get to the next rent, as you as you would say. Exactly. Um, and also, you know, like sports, it's a conservative institution. You know, I found out real quick I wasn't going to make it to the NBA as a guy, you know, my size. But we have Tim Tebow siding with the Jacksonville Jaguars this week and being in the Colts division. I'm going to have to see him twice this year. <laughs> you know, all the crap coverage he's going to get on ESPN because, you know, Tim Tebow draws eyes. He won't make the roster. My, my opinion is he'll be gone before the regular season starts. But if they can find a spot for him, Lord knows, no pun intended, he's going to make that team, you know, and it's crap because if you're a tight end, you have a quarterback taking your position like that's insulting. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it's it's rough, man. Let's just get on with football season and see if Tim Tebow can actually cut it. I, I would love to see him go across the middle and see how that works. Yeah. Tim Tebow's, yeah, he's going to need to say some prayers at that moment, right? Yeah. I'd love to see him get just blasted by a free safety. That'd be great. That'd That's be awesome. awesome. He well, can take it. You know, it's a, yeah, it's all, he can take it. Jesus got relative. his back. Jesus got his back. All right. Well, I, I think that's another week. That feels like about an hour, man. I appreciate everybody listening in. The numbers keep climbing. We're in the top 50 again on uh, Apple Tunes or whatever they call it. Podcast. All the places. Yeah, all the places all, all where you get your <laughs> podcasts. And, you know, I, I went off on video games, but that doesn't mean I don't think you should be listening to podcasts all day long. And if you're going to listen to one, the Noel Kessler podcast, baby, download nope. it now exactly well thanks for listening everybody you guys be safe out there it's going to be another crazy week it's getting hot out there it's only going to get hotter but we're going to get through it together take care of each other peace <laughs>